Hi, and welcome to Season 5 of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. It's Bob here again. I've got Barge Pole Management, and I've got Mitch on the line. And Mitch is way over in Stockholm today. Mitch, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, Bob. It's interesting that uh, you know your background being in, in uh, Southeast Asia and then writing, now you're back in, in, in Europe, but writing this book because it so much reminds me of the kind of like the expat approach to, to business management, well, I don't know, management or people management. And I was just curious to get your opinion on, do you think the book was influenced because of your experience in uh, Southeast Asia or were you kind of thinking this way before you went there? Definitely influenced by expat environments. I, I grew up in Singapore and um, my, my father used to work in telecoms in the military industry. So um, I've seen a lot of uh, that environment. And uh, in my career, I've worked only in expat environments uh, in Southeast Asia, then in London, and uh, for the last uh, seven years now in Dubai. And uh, you meet a lot of interesting characters when you have a, a rich mix of different personalities and where you can't really verify information in markets that are emerging, um, where you get a lot more opportunities to apply what I describe as barge pole management. Well, you know, that's true. I mean, I, I spent many, many years being an expat. And one of the things I felt is primarily different is you're, as an expat, you're available to every section of the society because uh, if you're Canadian, if you interface with the Canadian expats, you're going to get a very, very small group of people and you can hang out with the ambassador, you can hang out with business leaders, you can hang out with anybody all the way down the scope on a day-to-day basis. As soon as you come back to your uh, country, that's not in play. I can't just call up the you know prime minister and say, "Hey, I'd like to go out and have a coffee with you." Or any good parties that you can recommend? That doesn't exist. So there's this, it's a weird uh, place to do business because you're <laughs> you're you're in contact with amazing people, and uh, I think it enables you to move your career forward relatively rapidly. And like you said experiment in stuff that you never would have get a chance to experiment with when you're back in your hometown. Yeah, you, you're allowed to have a fresh start and reinvent yourself. And also when you have a smaller market, I think uh, my book, Barge Pool Management, that has been launched in, in the Gulf now, is a good example of that. Uh, very few, there are very few authors in the region. And um, when I go to the bookstores, the big uh, radio stations and the TV news, book distributors, everyone's excited. If I would do that in the U.S., it would not be as accessible, uh, as uh, easy to get through the door. Oh, yeah. that uh, Being, while well, you're, you know, in an expat situation, you're definitely the anomaly and uh, tend to make for much more entertaining uh content than than your average person that's a little bit more nervous about the social ramifications of speaking on air 
and uh, not having a more of a gung-ho approach to life and business, uh, especially in the Asia, because that's frowned upon. It's like embarrassing for them to talk themselves up, I think would be a way of, of uh, explaining it. But here in North America and, and uh, in uh, Europe, there's no problem with doing something like that and saying, hey, you know, I'm really good at what I'm doing. Take me seriously. You would never get that in Asia. No, no. Uh, I wanted to talk about what's the best way to tackle this book. Is it is a book because the book I have is your book one, two, and three together, and I, it's a lot of information here. Yeah, I I divided it into three books for that reason. So it's so it's being released separately as audiobooks. Mm. Now the. What's the best way to approach the book? Because, you know, several business books that are out there, you got to read from cover to cover. But most of them, once you get the, the gist of the front, you can kind of jump around a little bit more. Do you think that's how people should approach your books? Well, the first book uh, that's uh, now on the market is looking at barge pool management from an individual perspective. Um, and... Uh, I think uh, that's going to have the widest appeal, whereas the second uh, part is looking on the impact on organizations that these behaviors have. And uh, what the f- what the first book is really a handbook that is very contrarian to many other business management or career development books and how it um, looks at how to use different tactics to be manipulative and uh, how to take advantage of um, barriers in communication, how to brand yourself, how to make connections that essentially enables you to be priced at a premium and make you appear as more valuable than what you are what value you are actually delivering. But you know, in in the in the long run of it, I think most people that working in an organization because of the structure of an organization tend to not have the opportunity to bring more value because there's the bureaucracy, there's over-management, the expectation of the social interface, all that type of stuff. And Bargepool kind of takes that out of the formula and puts it in a more tactical realm and enables the person to go in there and, and kind of step away from all that um, culture that they have to deal with. And like you say, barge pull their way into a situation where they're actually wielding more influence. Uh, that they, if that they would have, if they were uh, cornered and somebody says, "Well, but what about this and this and this and this?" Uh, they may not stand up to to that type of um, I don't know hard, hard uh, study. The thing is that that never happens if you're. Working in an environment, and you're—I don't know—we're we're dominating, but but um, manipulating in a way that you're inefficient and you're moving stuff forward. That's what upper management needs to see. Uh, yes, and uh, I think barge polling um, is really only possible in larger organizations where there is a lack of transparency that you can play on, uh, and uh, where you can create a distance and uh, have some sort of influence on how communication um, flows between different groups and how you build uh, loyalties within an organization uh, between uh, the frontline staff and the upper management uh, to project an image value both to the upper management and to the people that you are convincing to uh, let you take credit for the work and um, be seen as valuable. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I've seen that played a lot of times where uh, some of the best managers I've worked with had like a, this innate barge pull approach where they would push a department to do more than they were expected to do, uh, reward them but with praise and saying, hey, we're doing great, you know, we're rocking it. And then when they reported to management, it was more, hey, the only reason this department is doing this is because of me, not that bluntly. But that's the reality. If that person wasn't there and there was a different manager in there uh, and they hadn't pushed them harder and basically manipulated the situation or manipulated their psyches to feel excited about working harder, then they wouldn't have had the right to go up to management and said, oh, well, I've moved this department forward. The difference is, and this is the important thing when people read this book, it's not about lying and manipulating and not doing anything and not moving department forward and then saying, oh, yeah, I'm amazing, and those guys are a bunch of jerks because they're not being successful. It's completely different than that. It's more about doing your job in a way and then not being shy about sharing uh, the praise within your department for the people in the department, but not taking that to uh, the next level up in management and saying, oh, uh, the reason we're doing really well is because we work as a team. And all those people, if I didn't have those that great team, I would be nothing. Well, that's not helping you at all. And I don't think that's a, that's a true explanation of what's going on. Upper management just wants to hear that the job's getting done, that you're responsible for getting it done, and you can do it again. And if that's your core brand message for yourself, uh, then you're going to be very successful in that organization. That That is spot on. And I think this is the central message of the book that there's a different perception, though, about what make, gets you promoted and um, how you get seen in different, in different levels in a hierarchy. Whereas uh, in the book, I describe the, the frontline staff of believing that their performance will get them promoted, but it, but it is really about how good your connection is with uh, the upper management to uh, see you as an enabler of what's getting done. Uh, and this is what the book is uh, describing. You know, it's interesting because you enabler of what needs to get done, and, and a lot of times what needs to get done isn't particularly uh, part of what you believe in or, or think that the company needs to do, and it's the ability to actually um, take the cues and hints from the people above you and say, okay, this is the path. They're giving you all the tips and, and the insight. You just have to be conscious of, oh, okay, they're a bottom line driven. This this quarter, it's all about bottom line, or this quarter is all about doing this trade show to a, a certain degree uh, that's going to impress people. If you're blind to that and you're going in there with an ego, then a lot of those things, those hints and tips that they're giving you, if they're good managers, you are unconscious of and you just go along your blithful way and da, 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 And then you're surprised that your department's not recognized. You may be working really hard. You may be doing all the things you need to be doing. But if it's not on target, then it's just a bunch of wasted energy. Yeah. No, I mean, you got to be in tune with um, what the demands are, uh, no question. So let's dig down a little bit more in the book. Uh, let's define barge pole management because everybody's been listening to us and they say, yeah, this sounds like good stuff. Why call it barge pole management, number one? And number two, uh, if you were going to define it as simply as possible before we dig into it a little bit deeper, how would you describe it? 
Uh, I use the term barge pull because it's about creating distance to partly avoid accountability, but also to be able to take credit when it serves your purposes, so that regardless of what the outcome is in an organization, you are able to project an image of value. Um, And I think this is what inspired me to write the book, is how some individuals are able to always be seen as valuable, regardless of uh, what happens results-wise. even though they may have initiated ideas and um, uh, been behind the implementation, they are still able to step aside when it's a fiasco and uh, still be seen as critical to the organization. And uh, it's not a... it's not random how it's done, and I think it's uh, it's partly a social skill, and uh, but more than that, it's also about knowing how to structure an organization to uh, to enable this to to work. Hmm. So that implies that to, you can go into an organization uh, with your with your barge pole uh, strategies. Uh, but until you're put into a position of power, you're not going to be able to actually get the company to actually um, evolve in that direction. Because really, if you've got a company run barge pole style, then that would also be the way that you would deal with your clients. And in the long run, that's I think it's something that you can transfer over into your... I don't know, your, your brand or whatever. It's like you, you work with us, it gets done. You work with us, it's never a problem type of thing. And then if there is a problem, this, the structure of the organization, because it's full of barge pullers, uh, is able to basically quickly manipulate the situation uh, so the client says, well, you know what? Maybe it wasn't you guys. Maybe we need to improve, blah, blah, blah. And then you step and you keep on going. Uh, do you think that's a, that's a fair assessment? Yeah, and I think it's that's the, the what the second part of the book series talks about. You got to restrict how many barge polers you have. Uh, no organization can afford for it to be um, too top heavy. You have to have a lot of motivated staff on the front lines that to really deliver and uh, is in line with the client. Where's the best place to be a barge pole manager? Is it when you're up in upper management or is it better when you're in uh, middle management or when you're just starting up in the organization to grow into that organization and then grow out of your barge pole style when it's less effective? Uh, well, I mean, the barge pole tactics work on every level. I mean, uh, the way I describe it is that you have the the power patron, someone who puts you in a position of power which makes you the barge polar. And then you have the firewalls, the people that you offload responsibility and who takes the, the most important decisions and uh, operationally. And then you have the frontline staff who are the gympies. But regardless of where you zoom in, you can always find these, these same relationships. Um, <clears throat> but the barge pole conducive work environment, so to speak, definitely when you're early into an organization that that is going to grow very that grows very quickly, I think you see it a lot with uh, IT managers that um, that maybe stepped in without the expectation of being able to uh, manage large systems and uh, suddenly find themselves they've clawed themselves onto the organization and uh, stuck there onto the top and. Um, even though they're not the 
the best suited to be managing a big operation, there they are. And um, uh, again, the one thing that you can't really learn is how to secure a position that's going to allow you to uh, to stay there. But what the book teaches you is how to stay there, which is the difficult part. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely more of a tactical book, you know, how to deal with ongoing situations. Uh, because really, that's what you're saying is like a lot of people that uh, have traditionally r- risen to the top, they're not really conscious of all the stuff that's happening underneath them, but which may uh, dethrone them. Uh, and if you're approaching it on a more of a tactical um, approach like this barge pole style, uh, it's more like, okay, I'm going there. This is how I'm going to go there. Here is how I'm going to work with the organization and the different groups. But when you get, once you get there, you, you don't stop thinking of that position. It's like, okay, now... I definitely have to move forward in this direction because this department could be unseating me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think uh, whether you're a frontline staff or if you're in a position to barge pull, you have to be aware of how these plays are made and uh, what really matters and how people may be taking advantage of you or how you may be getting hurt or where there is an opportunity to, to get ahead. You know, that's a very salient point that, you know, by reading this book, you become conscious of how you're being manipulated in certain situations. And just being conscious of it will enable you to fight back because uh, a lot of times it's not that you have to adapt this technique uh, if you don't feel comfortable with it, but for sure you'll start to realize like, hang on, I'm being barge pulled by this guy and uh, I don't like that. So guess what? I'm going to barge pull back. Now, two things can happen. One, uh, you've got this ongoing barge pull war going on, or the guy relates to you and pulls. And if he's a good barge puller, he'll pull you aside and say, hey, I get that you get this technique. Let's work together and move forward faster. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, in, in a battle between barge pullers, it's about who's got the best connection with uh, the power patrons um, because they need to have whoever's got the strongest power patron in the company tends to win uh, or if they're competing for the for the ear of the same person then uh, that's really the most decisive factor mm. well let's talk a little bit about techniques to getting that uh, power patron how to number one how to recognize what a power patron is because a lot of times it's surprising that it's not who you would assume would be the power patron uh, and number two is once you recognize who that person is what's the best techniques for targeting them to get them on side with you? Yes. Um, I think they, they come in so many uh, different uh, forms. Uh, and like you say, it's not always who's, uh, who you think it is. Um, I mean, a typical power patron would be the owner of the company. Um, or um, many times it's... Uh, in large, large organizations, you don't know what makes the person uh, favored if it is uh, through uh, social connections, through through uh, religion or family or somehow uh, that make that <clears throat> that are the foundations to the loyalties that are there. Uh, and um, I, I find that very interesting in, um, in Southeast Asia and uh, the Middle East as well, that y- you you don't always know 
uh, what the connections are. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can come at you right out of the blue. It's like, what? This guy is the guy that's me making all these things happen or being frustrating, frustrating my, my ability to move anything forward. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and I think also in, in expat environments, you can fake an importance or you can fake that you're very connected and very influential, which gets people to want to help you and you get things moving that way. Yeah, well, I mean, that goes all the way back to the, the old book, uh, Dress for Success. If you dress in a $1,000 suit and walk into a meeting with confidence, suddenly you're the most important person in that meeting, regardless of who you are. Um, so for sure, psychology, uh, initial, uh, your initial uh, what was it, introduction to a group of people is critical, and that's why I feel that most people fail in networking. They go into a networking group and they have no idea how to... Uh, barge pole a networking event to, to use a, a phrase uh, but really that's what it's all about it, it's if you want to be able to utilize these techniques it's more about using them in all aspects of business not just inside the organization it's how you network with people because if you're a great networker then you're going to be able to barge pole your LinkedIn account and get people to reach out for you and help you connect with more people up the ladder. And uh, if you're looking at it in a strate strategic and a tactical way, that's really the best usage of uh, a program like LinkedIn because it just makes that so much more easy to do than uh, 30 years ago when you would have to do that either in a networking event or in a bar. It took a lot longer, and sometimes you were never able to break into uh, a new uh, social group because a lot of it is based on on um, clique dynamics where once you're in a specific clique people outside of that clique or click depending on what part of the world you're in um, is uh, it kind of locks out so if you're in that particular clique it's like wow he must be cool because he's been accepted by that group I will never be in that group type of thing so that is once again classic uh, barge pole positioning more than anything yeah. else yeah but but I think an important part as well beyond that is that it's one thing to get the, your foot in the door, but what tends to expose you is when people see that you are not as valuable as you appear to be, and that's where most people get called out. And what barge polling is about is how you have a non-committal and non-substance communication so that you are able to um, – have a revisionist narrative, so to speak, regardless of what happens, that you, you talk in emotions, you base uh, the image of yourself on emotions and the appearance of importance rather than connecting it to any objective measurement and delivery. And um, I think um, when you work in media, for instance, or fashion or design, it's easier because it's difficult to um, actually measure your value and your input, unlike if you work in a factory and you can clearly measure quality and output. Yeah, for me, I, I when I'm presenting to people and I'm I'm in wow mode, uh, I call that blue blue sky presenta presenting. Basically, yeah. you know, if you're trying to get a sixty thousand dollar budget, you pitch them on a five million dollar budget, and all the things they'll be able to do with five million job, well, we could do this, and we're going to do this coffee table book, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to dominate these trade shows. That's all. 
pie in the sky stuff because it's not reality. And then it comes all the way down to, but before we can do that, we need to spend $60,000 doing this. And they go, well, 60,000, that's nothing compared to 5 million. And look what we get with the 5 million. Oh my God, I want that book. All They're not thinking about why that meeting existed anymore. They're thinking about all the emotional stuff that's got them excited about their career and their big thinking. And you're completely separated from that because in three years when they're not in that direction, you're not going to get blamed for that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think this is uh, this is a science and an art, uh, being able to uh, reason with people using emotions rather than logic. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, because I do use this a lot myself, um, how do you how do you prove to people that it's going to happen? You just go ahead and do it. Is it uh, reporting more regularly? Uh, because you can report emotionally. Say, hey, things are going great, or we had a problem last Wednesday, but we overcame it, and it's great. We're going to be moving forward. You haven't actually told them any facts about we're 20% forward. We're going to be finished in 12 days. None of that stuff's in place. They just assume that, oh, things are going according to plan, or whatever deadline has been set, we're going to meet that deadline, and then they can forget about it and get on with their day. Um, so how, how you how you deliver on this uh i mean it doesn't change the reality for for a barge pole manager you still have to have a a good team in place it's just that you're the messenger and uh, being able to use emotions to win over the people you're reporting to as well as the people that you have uh, that are competent to deliver um and uh, i think that there there are different personality types that uh, that I talk about in the book uh, being the the charmer and the the enchanter that that becomes best friends with people or the bully who is uh, also creates distance but using the opposite technique of being aggressive so that people don't uh, question them in the same way or uh, if you're um, uh, another type being a bureau- bureaucrat and uh, making it very technical and um, expressing uh, simple uh, simple information in very complex ways to confuse people about it. That's another technique uh, that you can use to to avoid being pinned down on specifics. Mm. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think you really have to have a good tap dancing technique, the ability to think on your feet. Yeah. Uh, it's not for this technique wouldn't work well for somebody that that is analytical and and has to get all the facts and figures it out and then presents. It's just not going to work for them very well. Uh, it's for a person that's kind of almost like surfing. You, you see the wave, you swim towards the wave, you get on your board, and then you surf the heck out of that wave. And it's very impressive to watch that person. Now, being on the wave, you got to be good at surfing. You can't be a terrible manager, a lazy person, a person that's not driven, a person that doesn't have vision, a person that's got a fire under their butt, because it's not going to work. Inconsistency, I yes. would say. Yep, good point. Uh, that, so it, this management technique, for sure, is very, very, very powerful, but it only works for uh, a certain set of people, wouldn't you say? I would definitely say that. To be honest, I think that it's very difficult to learn it unless you know it naturally, unless you have this timing, you could call it, uh, to understand uh, and read social settings. It's very difficult to learn it. Um, But 
the use of the book is really understanding the the success factors, I think. And even if you do know it, understanding how you can take advantage and uh, plan ahead, so to speak, to understand the, the full picture. Yeah, for me, you know, when I was going through it, I it, for me, it was almost like an affirmation book. It's like, oh, yeah, wow, I've been doing that for years. But now I'm aware of it. There's a big difference about doing something unconsciously or naturally and doing something because you truly believe that, wow, okay, now I get it. You, you become more refined. You become more focused. And really, it... It evolves you as a conscious barge puller compared to an unconscious barge puller. I'm uh, very glad to hear you say that because this is exactly what uh, my um, my aim for the book is. It's there's really nothing revolutionary in terms of the ideas, but putting it together into a to a coherent picture. Mm. Now, for you, and this I ask this to everybody, uh, what was your aha moment where something that you knew was a reality, but when you uh, put the book together and were, were putting it on paper and, and organizing it, it, it became crystal clear and it was like, wow, now I totally get that. For you, what was that moment? Well, I got the inspiration to write the book when uh, when I'd seen a lot of big projects go belly up. And um, uh, I was working under one manager who... Um, announced that uh, sort of as an aside that this this has failed but got everybody focused on the next project and the pipeline of tens of millions of dollars <laughs> and uh, everybody forgot about the what had just happened and i thought it was magical and uh, that it, it was uh, instances like that that inspired me to write the book and um but when i de- i i worked on developing the ideas over many years, and I started seeing that it's not just about deflecting <clears throat> responsibility and uh, taking credit, but it's a lot more than that. And it's not only negative. It's definitely not only negative. In many organizations, this is the only way to actually be successful and get anything done. It's the many organizations, especially if uh, if they are sales driven, and you have you have to have a you have a very high staff turnover. These are approaches that, in many, many cases, is the most advisable to use. Yeah, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with upper management, they all seem to be pretty natural barge pullers. But I think in many cases is they're just overworked uh, and they've taken these barge pull style techniques to basically deal with their day to day ridiculous uh, scenarios that they have to deal with, with uh, budgets being cut and timelines being stretched and uh, sitting down with C-suite and then getting a vision that you realize that, wow, we're, we're not only aren't we going towards that vision, we're going exactly the opposite direction at 180% effort. Now we've got to switch everything around, bring everybody around and pointing them in the right direction because of what's happened over the last six or eight months in uh, the global economy, let's say. And that is a classic uh, situation where you have to have some very, very serious barge pull technique brought to bear. Yeah, absolutely. And and what you're saying here, when you have... um uh, environmental uh, changes uh, from from the upper management, and there's a disconnect from reality. Again, it's difficult to confront them and saying, "No, this is the reality," or uh, you have to play along because uh, if you don't, you get um, 
Uh, you get sidelined. Mm. Yeah, you get steamrolled right over. Yeah. Do you think the usage of uh, stories uh, compared to uh, laundry list is a much better way of communicating barge pole techniques? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, it's difficult to have ever worked in any larger organization without having your own barge pole story. And um, in a way, everyone's an expert on on how it's done, I guess, and uh, <laughs> and 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 I th- I think it needs to be pointed out that it's not being a barge polar or not being a barge polar. You have to engage in these practices uh, to an extent, regardless of who you are, or you're just going to be taken advantage of all the time. You're going to be a sucker. Yep, exactly. And you know, just uh, you know, it the tough thing about becoming aware of barge pull techniques is number one uh, it's been happening to you and don't take it personally because it's not about being emotional it's just it's another strategy that you can use on the job um, and being aware that people have been barge pulling you for years don't get angry with them just say okay now I get it and now that I get it I'm not going to waste a bunch of my time being frustrated about why the heck did I do that? And why do they always keep doing these stupid things? It's just part of the reality of getting stuff done and moving stuff forward in the organization. And I think that's a fundamental flaw with anybody that's employed, but that's just the human way, is they feel that what they do is the center of the universe for that organization or that department. And from that department to be the center of the universe for that division, blah, 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 and it just goes out. The center of the universe isn't even at C-suite level. The center of the universe is this company that's a boat on an ocean called the economy, and it's global. And there are huge waves in this economy that they've got to deal with. And you're just way too far down to understand why they're telling you to do weird things. Just do them and manage the situation. And I think if you had an organization that kind of believed a little bit more in this is why we're doing this and would spin on a dime and put tons and tons of energy and effort into a specific situation, that makes it a lot easier for everybody all the way up the line that's doing exactly the same thing uh, to steer and make that organization very powerful so everybody wins at the end of the day. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is uh, being purpose-driven. And uh, when you have an organization where competing internally becomes more important than looking at the bigger picture and competing in the marketplace against other companies, you're, you're in a downward spiral. Of, and that's not a recipe for success. Uh, yeah, a lot, you know, a lot of books we talk about on the show, really that's what they talk about. But nobody, like you said in your book, nobody's talking about, yeah, but how do you make that happen? How do you move stuff forward? And I think in most organizations, that is the thing that stops your department or stops you um, or the people below you uh, to do the things that the company needs you to do. Uh, so that, for me, is what makes the, the Barge Pool Management uh, kind of an important book for people that are students, people that are considering business as a career. Actually, anybody that runs a business, this would be killer content for them as well. So for you, uh, what would you say would be a, a tip that we could give out to our listening audience uh, today that they could do to move forward with uh, more of a barge pool technique? I think uh, one of the techniques I talk about is um, – 
relying on trends. If, if you're able to identify where something is moving, don't think that you have to be a leader and, uh, and uh, get the first mover advantage. There's uh, also a second mover advantage by uh, letting others make mistakes and letting others take uh, the lead. And uh, if you can just follow a general trend, you can afterwards take a lot of credit and uh, see, see where things are moving. Don't take unnecessary risks that you put your name on. And um, <clears throat> deflect complexity uh, is another part that um, you, you just, um, when you, as a leader, you draw out the broad strokes about what, what's supposed to be done. Do not go into details where you're going to be held accountable for what you said or didn't say. Mm. Well, you know, and it makes so much more sense, really, as a leader, you have to trust the people below you to get the job done. Now, if they're not getting it done, then you got to talk some pretty serious talk with those people. But really, if you empower people, they tend to work a lot harder uh, than if you're micromanaging them. Yes, uh, and I think this is the real enabler and the the opportunity of barge pool management because it is, in a way, complete delegation of work. Um, you are you have to let the people below you have the power to do what needs to be done, and hopefully, you've chosen the people that are able to do it. And uh, at the end of the day, barge pool management is not about letting people. F- it's not about denying people to feel proud of what they've achieved or not feel important in their jobs. It's essentially about you being the one being seen as the most critical person for the, for the management above you. The, this is the, the layer of communication, the communication that you're controlling that is so important that you don't have the upper management having a clear insight as to what the different um, parts are to the to what's what's actually happening on the ground yeah that's actually that happened to me last week um, you know I was working been working with this restaurateur and trying to get him uh, on a strategic way to move uh, more people into his restaurant and we looked at all the dynamics and we dug down pretty deeply and I said okay now he's had a a printer that he's been working with who's been incredibly frustrated because the guy can never make a decision, can't move the projects forward, and because the guy can't move the projects forward, the printer is losing money because it's something in his dock he has to clear. So within seven days, uh, I had everything approved. I had it to the printer. We found a couple of mistakes. He printed up. We presented to the client. The client's really happy. Uh, the printer is just, oh, my God, I want to work with you some more, Bob, because you did the impossible. So, And, and I'm not even connected with his company. I mean, I was introduced as a third party, but as the third party manager, I was able to do what he wasn't able to do. Everybody was happy because it was all driven with emotions. There were a, a couple of mistakes, and my whole thing is, of course, there's going to be mistakes. There's no such thing as a perfect this or there's no such thing as a perfect that, but it doesn't matter because once we distribute these things, we're going to get some feedback. We're going to see where these things had uh, didn't work as a direction. We're going to tweak them, and when we tweak them, we'll correct those mistakes then, and it's going to be in a month's time. So then he was like totally satisfied. It wasn't like, oh, my God, we got to reprint, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, let's use what we have. Find out what the if we're going the right direction, and then we can make the changes. Don't try to perfect stuff because then you're just going down a road of disappointment. 
Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I guess that's a difficult call um, when you're as a barge pole manager, I think uh, being able to be a cheerleader and a quality controller and knowing what people's limits are. Um, and if you get that wrong, if you, if you make the wrong calls as to um, where the lines are, uh, I think you can just, ease, uh, just as easily um, uh, mess up in, in such a situation. Oh, yeah, you can dig yourself a pretty nasty hole, you know. But I think if you're in the management, if you're the barge polar instead of somebody in that line, you have a much higher chance of being fingered basically say, oh, well, the reason is because Joe here didn't do enough due diligence. As the barge pole manager, you don't really assign um, general, oh, it's Joe's fault. You just say, it's the process's fault because then nobody's at blame. So then Joe says, oh, my God, Bob, you just saved my ass because, yes, that was my responsibility. Or you can always pull Joe and say, Joe, I just saved your ass. You know, try to get, try to get it together, dude, because... I can't have this happen all the time. I'm just going to have to replace you. That's barge polar conversation right there with the people underneath you. And then you're having a conversation with uh, the owner or whatever saying like, okay, this is a mistake, but let's move on. Da, 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 da. Get it diffuse as quickly as possible so you can get to the next uh, level where it's more successful and the guy's forgotten about it. I mean, it's always moving stuff forward that makes a big difference. Yeah. Uh, or or to blame the guy who just resigned last week who had nothing to do with it. Yeah, exactly. If that guy hadn't quit, geez, thank God he's gone. <laughs> yeah, well, the, if, you know, I as much as 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 uh, I like to you know have fun management and, and make sure everything happens and stuff like that, I have a really hard time throwing people under the bus. Do you think that you could still be a barge pole manager and not have to throw people under the bus or is just part of the long game? Uh, no, I think um, you're not barge poling well if you need to throw people under the bus. Um, <clears throat> it's the, the people below you, the, the firewalls that are doing the most critical work in uh, recruiting and uh, taking decisions – you definitely don't want to throw them under the bus, but uh, w what I write about in, in the book is that the frontline staff, you have a high turnover of the, the frontline staff, to um, which makes it easier to uphold an image and uh, also to, uh, to keep saying, well, you know, we've changed this, we've changed that, whereas if it's too static, the organization – the transparency, there's a greater transparency and people understand that the, the picture you're projecting might not be accurate. Uh, so uh, that's the part of structuring the organization in a way that, that it favors your, your agenda. Mm. Well, I mean, then it goes all the way back to being uh, uh, strategical and tactical in your position and being conscious of it instead of working uh, with an unconscious you know, well, I'm just going to react to the way things are, then you're basically putting out fires all day long. You're busy, you're putting out fires, and you can tell people, oh, look, at this fire got put out. But if you're a barge pole manager, you're not thinking on that level. You're thinking about, well, yeah, those fires are for the people to get rid of. My job is to try and move this thing as quickly as possible and get us out of this forest. 
And also what a barge pool manager is concerned with is not being uh, outmaneuvered by someone who is more capable or who can expose them. Many times uh, I've seen in large organizations, you'd be surprised how they're happy to see one of the one of their best employees leave because they're getting too good. If Whether it's in sales or, uh, or something else, they are starting to outshine their manager and uh, therefore they, they need to move on. And uh, as barge pulling goes, it's not about being the best. It's about being the best among those you're being compared to by the person who's placed you in your position. Okay, so in that situation, it would be a manager that's on the same level as you, as you're on your, in your management level, and there's um, there's competition within those three or five or eight managers for the senior management position when it becomes available in one or five or seven years or however long it takes. Um, so you're in barge pole competition with those guys at at a very strategic level, uh, and it's how. I think people are getting um, basically sidelined because they're not thinking that way. Uh, yeah, and I think it's very difficult if you are in a very, um, uh, in a, with with if you're working in an organization where barge polling is endemic, you would have a top-heavy management level of managers who have been in the company for 15 years, say, and then you've got the uh, the level below them. No one's been been there for longer than five years, and they are a handful. And then you got the the frontline staff, where no one stays for more than two, three years. They're very safe in their positions because uh, uh, ideally they've chosen their firewalls, the, their second in commands, to not be someone who would want to challenge them. This is what makes them safe, um, and they can put trust in them to to play that role whereas the people on the front lines they're led to believe that if they just if they're just the best performer and they deliver they will have a chance to be one of these barge polers on top mm. interesting <laughs> <laughs> uh we've been chatting with mitch vandell today he did the book Barge Pole Management, the theory and application book one, two, and three is the version I've got, but you can definitely get it in Kindle format. You can get it in audio version, which sounds very, very interesting. Uh, I would say anybody that uh, is in business and wants to grow inside that organization has to read this book. Basically, if you're uh, one of the frontline people, you got to read this book to realize that you're a frontline person. You may not even realize that you're a frontline person and when you read the book, you realize you are. Once you get that done, then it's definitely a step-by-step reality shift for you so you can become more of a barge pole manager and grow and uh, be successful in the organization. So, Mitch, thanks for coming on the show and chatting about this book. Thank you for having me. Uh, Before we run, where can they go? Is there a .com? Are you writing blogs for uh, follow-up posts? I've got the website bargepoolmanagement.com and um, it's available for free download on Audible uh, with a trial of Audible and it's on iTunes as well. So the the second book will come out, uh, it's called Bargepool Coefficient, which is uh, more on how the theory impacts organizations. But um, if you want to be a bargepool manager, uh, which is everyone's dream, I I think, this is the book. <laughs> well, it definitely gets you. It, it, it's like there's only one book out there. 
and this is it. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about this book. Uh, You're reading it, and it's like, wow, how come other people haven't written it? And, uh, you know, in the future there may be more, but for right now this is your only choice on the bookshelf. So, uh, yeah, it's great. And I'm I'm curious, do you have any plans for any other books past these three? No, not on this theme. This this is what I intend to build on, and um, I'm very glad to... um, have got an engagement with um, Schalmers in Gothenburg University that are tying this um, book into their studies in mm. intercultural communication. Very nice. Uh, and they've seen many of the same behaviors that they've recognized but haven't really put name to and studied from a different perspective of how to try and avoid these behaviors. But they've also recognized that they are unavoidable. And what they're interested in is using barge pool management or looking at barge pool management as a reality and how to adapt to that reality. Mm, yeah, being aware of it and then how to be able to work within that, those parameters for sure. Hey, Mitch, it was great chatting with you and uh, can't wait to uh, chat with you again. Yeah, I hope to be on again sometime. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.